Welcome to Farm to Stable, a science-based equine nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nettie Leibert. I'm a lifelong horse person and professional equine nutritionist with the goal of helping horses and their humans create balanced diets to set them up for success, no matter what age, discipline, or circumstance. Disclaimer, the information discussed here is based on current scientific research and is for educational purposes only. Every horse's individual needs vary. This is not a substitute for veterinary medicine or nutrition consultation. Hello and welcome back to Farm to Stable, an equine nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nettie Leibert, and this week we're going to talk about what is in your feed bag. So it's pretty common to get questions about what an ingredient is uh, or to clear up misconceptions about what an ingredient is not. So I thought I'd give a quick overview about your feed bag and what types of ingredients you might find in it so that you have a better idea of what you're actually feeding your horse. So as you're probably aware, there are several different types of horse feed. You could have sweet or textured feed, pelleted feed, extruded feed, or feed that has several different types of particles in it. So sweet feed usually has higher molasses compared to, say, a pellet or an extruded feed. It's usually palatable. So if you have a picky eater, sometimes it's a go-to to try to get a horse who needs to eat to eat. And oftentimes you can actually see the grains in it, the corn, the oats, or whatever may be in there. If you have a horse that has metabolic concerns, obviously this is something you, that may need to be limited. Now, a pelleted diet, something you're probably familiar with, it's very uniform in its nutritive value. It's mixed very well. Each pellet is typically the same nutritionally, and it's consumed usually very quickly relative to, say, forage, but that's okay. And it does make it a little harder to disguise supplements or medication if you have to feed that. But again, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just sort of a characteristic of the feed. Extruded feed has become popular in recent years, and it's a really cool form of feed. If you have a pressure cooker in your kitchen or you're familiar with pressure cooking, that's essentially what extrusion is. So you cook the food at a high temperature and pressure for a short period of time, and it's a way to preserve vitamin integrity. It's easy to chew. It breaks down very quickly in saliva or in water, low dust. doesn't freeze, so you don't have to chip it away if you live in a cold climate. And it does have typically an extended shelf life. You could have a multi-form feed with a couple of different forms. You could have some grains visible, you could have some pellets, maybe some extruded nuggets. Uh, It depends on what you buy. Now, what goes into those pellets or extruded feeds or, or textured feeds? Well, obviously, you need a protein source. And there are a number of different protein sources. So I, I don't think we're going to be totally comprehensive here, but I am going to go for the heavy hitters. So starting with soy. Soy is an excellent protein source all around for people, for horses, for livestock. And the reason is because it contains essential amino acids. Essential amino acids are those that the body can't make on its own. You have to take them in in the diet. In particular, soy is high in the essential amino acid lysine. Now, you may have heard of lysine as the first limiting amino acid. What does that mean? Well, Amino acids are, say, the letters of an alphabet that make up the words that are then proteins. But if you don't have any lysine, it doesn't matter how many other amino acids you have, you're not going to get much protein. So lysine's a fairly important one, along with methionine, threonine, and several others. 
So soy is relatively inexpensive. It's easy to come by. It's high quality. It's easy to pellet. It's easy to manufacture and to feed. So that's one of your main protein sources. Another protein source is alfalfa meal. So essentially it is what it sounds like. It's ground alfalfa and it is put into feed, again, to provide energy and to provide protein. Distillers dried grains is another one. So this is a byproduct of distilleries and ethanol production. And it turns out that it's an okay protein source. Now, it's not as high quality as something like soy or alfalfa meal, but it can add some protein to the total diet. Now, the catch with distillers dried grains is that if you add too much to the feed, it can make it start to taste kind of bitter. So as a feed manufacturer, you can only add so much to the recipe before a horse is likely to turn their nose up for it. It can be used as a protein source in feed. Fat sources are typically your oils, and there could be a number of different oils, uh, vegetable oil, soybean oil, coconut oil, sunflower oil, soy oil, flaxseed oil, etc. Uh, fish oil is one typically used as a supplement. You're not going to generally find that in most commercial feeds because it's expensive. And again, there can be some palatability issues with it. But uh, again, vegetable oil is a fairly common one. When it comes to fiber, beet pulp, soy hulls, oat hulls, things like that, any kind of hull. There's a misconception that hulls are just filler and just, you know, stuff that gets put into a feed to give it some bulk. Well, yeah, it is added to give some bulk, but it's also, they're really good fiber sources. The beet pulp and any kind of hull, the microbes in the hindgut thrive on it. So you're actually feeding the microbiome of your horse with these things. So if you see a soy hull or an oat hull in your ingredients list, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Now, energy sources. So how else might calories get put into a feed bag, aside from fat and uh, some from some of those grains, and even fiber to some degree? Typically, we're looking at grains, corn, oats, barley, things like that. So corn is the highest in energy and the lowest in protein relative to oats and barley. Oats is the opposite. It's lower in energy, but it's highest in protein, and oats actually require the least amount of processing if at all. Barley's kind of in the middle. So middle amount of energy, middle amount of protein. In recent years, it's gotten a little pricey on the commodities market, so you may not see it as commonly in horse feeds, but it is out there. Now, the problem with grains, while they are a great energy source, they're fairly low in fiber, and they really don't have much in the way of vitamins and minerals. And in fact, most grains well, they're going to be deficient in vitamins and minerals. So that's why they have to be consumed with other things, whether it's a ration balancer or if it's a commercial feed, uh, something like a premix, a vitamin or mineral premix that would go in. And grains are typically providing carbohydrates, your starches and sugars, which are about four calories per gram that a horse needs to function. So yes, even those unlimited carb diets do need some carbohydrates. You'll also see your vitamins and minerals added to feeds. Macro minerals, these are minerals that are added and measured in grams. Things like calcium, phosphorus, sodium. You're not a lot of sodium in commercial horse feeds, but it is a macro mineral. Micro minerals are measured in milligrams. Now, for context, if you have a paper clip, like one of the bigger paper clips, it weighs about a gram, just to kind of give you a little bit of context for that. So microminerals are required in milligrams. So you need 1,000 milligrams to make up one gram. Milligram amounts. So these are things like selenium, zinc, copper, iodine. But 
it's not just about throwing vitamins and minerals into a bag, right? They have to, minerals particularly need to be put in certain ratios. So that's another discussion, but uh, just something to be aware of. Vitamins, you'll typically see vitamins A, D, and E added to most horse feeds. Vitamin A, important for things like night vision and immune health. Vitamin D, if your horse goes out in the sunshine, they'll make their own, but it is supplemented often in feed. And vitamin D is also needed in the diet to facilitate calcium absorption. Vitamin E is, of course, a powerful antioxidant, very good for muscle, nerve, and cellular health in general. Vitamin K, not often added to a lot of feeds, but in case you're wondering, K uh, supports blood clotting, which again is important if your horse gets into trouble and cuts himself. Not a lot of vitamin C typically added to horse feed. Horses make their own vitamin C in their liver. That's why it's not typically added to horse feed, because if you're supplementing a lot of vitamin C, it's going to suppress the body's own production of vitamin C, and you want to be very careful with that. Sometimes you'll see some B vitamins added to feeds, uh, niacin, thymine, biotin, riboflavin, for example, uh, but they are water soluble, so anything the horse doesn't need will be washed out. And of course, the microbes in the hindgut also do produce some of those vitamins. So those are some general things of what goes into your bag of feed. Now, what about the feed tag? Well, there are rules about what has to go on the feed tag. The tag either has to be printed on the bag or sewn onto it. And by law, it has to contain the brand name, the product name, and the statement of purpose. So that could be if you're feeding, say, a broodmare, it could be for supporting growth or reproduction. If it's a performance feed, it could be for supporting, you know, exercise or performance, something of that nature. It has to include a guaranteed analysis. So this tells you how much protein, fat, fiber, vitamins, minerals are in that product. The ingredient list also has to be listed. Now, the rules for livestock feed are a little different than the rules for pet food or human food. But in general, a lot of feed companies do try to at least list them in order from most to least. They don't all do it. They're not required to, but you can always call your feed manufacturer and ask them that question and how they list them. Feed tags also have to contain directions for use and any warning or caution statements. On horse feed, you'll often see a statement that says, contains copper, do not feed to sheep because sheep can't have copper. So that would be a warning statement. For example, the name and the address of the manufacturer has to be on there. And then the quantity statement, this bag weighs 50 pounds or something like that, however much it weighs. So there are rules and regulations that have to be on that feed tag. Now, when it comes to the ingredient list, there's two ways you're going to see it, either as a least cost or as a fixed formula. Either way, that guaranteed analysis, your vitamins and your minerals, it's going to be met. But how the manufacturer gets there might vary if you're looking at a least cost formula. How do you know? If your ingredients are very general, if it says things like processed grain byproducts, forage products, things like that, by definition, there's an entity called the AFCO, the American Association of Feed Control Officials. They define what roughage products are and what processed grain byproducts are. And there's a list of things. So processed grain byproducts can mean a lot of different things. So batch to batch, if your feed starts to look a little bit different, but you're buying the same product, that could be why. If it's fixed formula, you're going to see specific ingredients listed, typically. Uh, for example, soybean meal, 
soy oil, beet pulp, you'll see those specific ingredients written out in the ingredients. I'm not going to get too far into the weeds of which one is better. It really depends. And again, both ways will meet that guaranteed analysis because if they don't, the manufacturer is going to get in trouble with authorities that are monitoring the feeds. And if you put it on the feed tag, you are responsible for it. It must be there if you say it's in there. That is just a quick overview of what is in your feed bag, how you can kind of tell a little bit about how it's manufactured. And if you do have other additional questions about that, by law, the manufacturer's name and address has to be on there and usually a phone number too. You can just call them and ask. So typically not a big deal and most will be willing to answer your questions. Well, I hope this has given you some insight as to how to look at your feedback and how to maybe interpret what is in there. Of course, if you have questions, feel free to reach out at equinenutritionphd at yahoo.com. And in the future, I'm hoping to do a listener question episode. So send them my way. Also, you can follow me on Facebook at Library Equine Nutrition. You can post some questions there as well. Thank you so much for listening. Please like, share, subscribe, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. Happy riding. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Farm to Stable, a science-based equine nutrition podcast. Please share and subscribe if you found the content interesting. And if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send it to equinenutritionphd at yahoo.com.